Yeah. Yeah. Welcome Woo. to another episode of Out the Bar Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Mike, and today we have a full house. That's right. We have four people total. As always, the usual suspects. One of the guys on the screen here, we have Jeff, a.k.a. Hollywood. That's me. Hey, guys. How are you? And then somewhere next to him on the bottom row, coming in at number three, we have the foxy man himself, Mr. Sexual Adjective, Chris. Oh, I got a new one now. I'm I'm okay with that. It could be a lot worse. (laughs) And squaring out the group. I just hung out with him yesterday and saw him today. He brewed a beer today. It's none other than Preston from the Beer Chasers. What is up at the Bar Podcast? What's going on, man? Hey, Preston. <laughs> yeah, it's literally a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I talked to Mike last night at like 2 in the morning. Not 2 in the morning. Like 1 I in the know. morning. And and he's like, I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing awake? And he's like, oh, I'm just playing Quiplash with Preston. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. <laughs> that game is addictive, man. I have a new nickname. I have a new nickname. It's Smalley Biggs. Smalley Biggs. Smalley Biggs. Wait, I big like ball. it. Smalley Biggs. I'm gonna stick to it. But did you give yourself that nickname? I did. <laughs> Wait, why? Why? <laughs> why did we let Big Fudge die? Wasn't that the name? Big Fud. <laughs> oh, oh, Fud. Yeah, Big Fud. Uh, that can also live on. But um, before we get started, we gotta do a roundhouse of what everyone's drinking. I know me and Jeff have a secret surprise for our guest. So, Ooh. Jeff, you want to lead us in? Well, let's be. We'll be the last. We'll okay, be the last we'll be two. The last. All right. Yeah. Preston, what are you drinking? Uh, I went to one of my my fallbacks. My one of my go tos, La Fin de Monde. It's in the uh, oh, it's in the fridge. It's cold, and uh, I think it's it's high in ABV, high in flavor, but it's kind of refreshing. And I kind of need something refreshing after today, man. S- sweating my ass off here in Florida brewing. It's ridiculously hot for February. For sure. Fantastic beer. All right, Chris, what you, what you got? So uh, I've actually been working on a red IPA recipe myself, and that's kind of what I'm sipping on at the moment is oh, okay. the second version of that. So, Excellent. yeah, so a little homebrew stuff playing around. A little Idaho 7 hop hash in there. So Jeff's lips uh, got wet. <laughs> it's really – that's pretty awesome that you happen to just accidentally be sipping on a homebrew tonight. Because oh, weird. Look at that. Yeah, sweet yeah. leaving. <laughs> So me and Mike's big surprise <laughs> is that we're going to be drinking one of Preston's homebrews here oh, that he gave us. Nice. A Weizenbach of his that he gave oh, us. And we both, nice. uh, we're both indulging in that tonight. So we're going to drink it with you. Yeah. Awesome. That's a sweet glass. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's fantastic. Yeah, I like it. I'm drinking mine out of a tulip. I hope that that's uh, okay. If it's not, then suck it. A tulip. <laughs> a tulip. A tulip. <laughs> Jeff, how are you liking that Weizenbach? I've yet to take a sip. If you would stop interrupting. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll go. So I've been sipping on it. Brought to you by. Very nice. It's slightly sweet. Brought to you by Preston's Homebrews. So it's very sweet, drinkable, crushable. You know, I like it. You know, it's not too yeasty, but it's like a nice, mellow, well-rounded, malty sweetness. So I'm really liking this a lot. Definitely would give it 375 okay. slash 4. <laughs> For, for being a Weizenbach. Excellent. Very underrated style, so it's with it being as good as this is, it's just pretty fancy. I wish there yeah. were more of those. Yeah, I agree. It's got it's got all the complexity with the malts that you're looking for, but it does have that yeast kind of taste to it as well. Um, and it's just super well-rounded, really. It, it Crushable for a Weizenbach is not like a term I feel like you use very often, but it is <laughs> like it's like a crushable, but well, it has a ton of good flavor. So, yeah, I agree. I think it's a, a very good beer. Yeah. 
So awesome. pressing on that one, did you go anything like out of the box, like any any sort of weird like kind of trials actually, of the recipe? Or? I'm actually pulling the recipe up right now. I know um, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, looking at it, 40% wheat malt, uh, 30% Pilsner German Pils, uh, 50% flaked wheat, uh, about 9% Munich two, uh, 4% Care Munich, and 12 ounces of chocolate wheat. Magnum to bitter, Haller Tower at 15 minutes, uh, about uh, and Weichstefan 3068. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so, did, I did adjust the water profile for that one, so I, I tried to uh, get a water profile that would match the beer well. Um, yeah. Excited to hear you guys enjoy it. You know, um, I, I always like honest feedback, so please don't blow smoke on my ass because I did, enter, this, I did no. enter this into uh, the coconut cup, so I'll, I'll have in two weeks some feedback on that, how we did. And so we'll see. Hopefully uh, the judges like it as well as you guys did. Yeah, it's, it's – Go it's ahead. really good. I think some of the complexity that I, I was like putting on like yeast earlier, I just took another sip of it and I don't think it's yeast. Uh, yeast. I think it's just, uh, it's just a good complex uh, malt build and it's just kind of has like a lot of different flavors that come through as you drink it. It's real nice. It's, it's a complex Weizenbach and I'm not, uh, I'm not one really for, you know, this style per se, but um, it's definitely very good. Almost like a Dunkelweizen, but like, yeah, like a little bit, stronger and, and more flavorful. Yeah, like I said, the, the grain bill is pretty straightforward. You know, if, if you're doing a half it'd be 50% wheat, 50% Pilsner, and you're just basically taking that and you're adding some of those Munich malts, some Cara Munich, a little bit of chocolate to kind of sweeten it up. So it's the best of both worlds. You get some some box sweetness, you get some big booze, which you're getting that nice wheat flavor. You're getting uh, some of that wheat yeast, you know, the, the banana clove. So I, I love the style because it mars all those flavors together uh, very well. So full disclosure, I mega loathe have Weizens, but Weizen box are like my jam. Good, Chris, because I have a bottle for you. Preston gave me three. Oh, thank so. God, because I was about to complain about being the only one not actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I gave you bottles bottle. a little while ago. Yeah, so yeah, I don't I have know, one for each of you. Yep. Yeah, Mike's just been holding on to it. He's just hoping he's like maybe Chris doesn't want it. I'll just drink it myself. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, right we'll now. actually have to get <laughs> we'll have to get together in the real life at some point and actually exchange those. Because I have your bourbon from two steps as well. <laughs> You're becoming my new favorite person right now, Mike. Did you know that? I'm, I'm about a a donkey away from from being official here. Mulan. Wait, wait. Do you sell bur- Oh, bur- I'm like, do you sell makes bourbon? Three bottles of it. Well, bourbon barrel. Yeah. yeah, Mariana. I thought you meant like bourbon. I was like, man, when did they make oh, bourbon? Dude, That's I, awesome. I wish. Actually, so it's a fun little thing you brought that up as, as, as breweries making some weird out of the norm things. Did anybody see that MIA is actually making like hard water? I heard about it literally today at Funky Buddha when I was down there. Yeah. Um, Kaylee actually was the one who brought it up. Kaylee from This Girl Needs a Beer. Um, yep. Would you guys she, feel like? What do you guys think? She said they're fantastic. I haven't tried them. She said they're very good. Um, and I, instantly, what I thought of was actually I don't know if you guys saw the re-release or the rebranding and re-release of Zima. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. coming back. Yeah. And I uh, and I thought to myself, that sounds a lot like Zima, but I hear they're really good. I guess there's like a cucumber one that's fucking awesome. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I mean, hard water. I guess it's on. It's going to be on tap at Toe for next week. Yes, I'm, I'm looking it up now. A, a lemon lime hard water. It's like a white claw. Sparkling I think. Hard water. Like, yeah, it's like white yeah. claw now. It's it's like the the uh, alcoholic seltzer water. You know, whatever. Which okay, I think it's okay. So that's pretty specific. 
Chris, you're breaking up. Me. It's getting all robotic. We lost you, Chris. I think we're losing you, buddy. Okay. Croy. This is freaky. This is too much. He's having a stroke. It sounds like. I think he froze. Okay, so I don't know what's happening with Chris, but whatever he's he gone. is. He dropped. Well. Okay. He's gone, yeah. Okay. okay. So Chris will be back momentarily, but I want to, I before he comes back, we jump into craft beer. I want to read something from my high school that is, I find funny, but it's extremely embarrassing. So we're going we're gonna to do that right now. So I'm taking a, uh, a number two before the show. And I, I what does that the, mean? I was taking a poo-poo. Ah, uh, <laughs> And uh, I was surfing Facebook, and there's an alumni for the high school I went to. So I went to Lake. I went to high school in Lakeland, uh, Jenkins. Uh, yeah, South Florida, Central Florida, cool. Yeah, so Polk County. So someone posted at the time six hours ago saying, "Quote, you all been mild on here. That's that's that Murph." <laughs> and then the first comment says, "Get Bo." That same person comments right after saying, "Snatches no none." The third person puts an LOL, and the last comment says, oh, shit, says, uh, bargain that bit. <laughs> I don't even know what you just read me. What did you just <laughs> yeah, read me? What? Okay. Comment says, y'all been mild on here. That's that Murph. M-U-R-F. What does that even mean? I don't what? know what that means. To Urban Dictionary. Yeah, Chris, look that up. I'll continue reading. <laughs> to our resource department. Oh, Chris, I can hear you now. Okay, good. All right, perfect. So the, somebody comments Yitbo, Y-I-T-B-O. He then comments right after that saying, snatches, dot, 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 no, none, N-U-N. Somebody comments below that saying, LOL. And then the last guy says, bargain, dat, be. This is what you come to expect from from this is Polk County. Podunk ass Lakeland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Polk County, isn't that where that <laughs> The Sheriff I don't is know what literally a real life Chuck Norris like Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> Grady Judd. Oh, Grady Judd's no joke, man. <laughs> Fucking crazy. Yeah, li- I'm literally not getting anything on, on Murph, so which Murph is like probably the oldest pop pop thing I've ever said. Yippo. Apparently, it's a farewell expression used by the ladies of the Theta Phi Alpha. That, and that's Urban Dictionary. So, I mean, that's even the urbified I, version. Well, that is least, the biggest demographic. So, yeah, if you're going to get really urban, I guess quoting uh, sororities is probably the way to do it. You know, Snatches No None. Sounds like a, my rap name. Snatches No Bargain None. Bargain that bit. Murph. <laughs> Bugging on that bit. Hey. Murph. Murph. So, that's, that's my. Uh, uh, embarrassing story because I'm just ashamed that I went to the same high school as these guys. So apparently, Murph is expressing disdain, indifference, or shame. Ah, uh, that's almost like a little rap song itself. Whoa, that's an SAT word, Murph. <laughs> Murph. Wait, now Murph I'm getting is to hit on, flirt with, or otherwise spit game with another. Cat noise. How'd you spell it? M U R E H. I did M E R F. Yeah. Yeah, M U R F. It's a word. A word covering multiple purposes. So it's kind of like an all all purpose word like jaunt. You were a jaunt from like up north Philly, that jaunt right there. Same thing. That's so weird. Murph. 
Yeah, so we're officially anyway. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, yeah. Or I just wanted to share that. We're smarter than that. How embarrassing that was. Oh, wait, wait. So uh, also in Hawaiian culture, it could be a large, muscular guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably what they meant. Mm-hmm. Dot Murph. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, anyone have any, any kind of weird experiences they want to share or anything? I have an idea if no one has. So, what kind of show is this? Weird experiences. Yeah, I was touched one time inappropriately. That counts more wet than lips. once. Wet lips. <laughs> Hashtag wet lips. Okay, I'll go. I'll go ahead. So there's been a debate, Funky Buddha, that I've been seeing on mm. the Facebook groups mm. of mm. the happier people of of Florida. Mm. Now, you know, in full transparency, I, I'm 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 starting to get sour here on on the good old Buddha here. Because what happened? What happened there, Mike? They, they're, they're, they're not answering my emails, and it's upsetting me. Oh man! <laughs> I, I thought wanted, it was going to be a legitimate reason. No, no. <laughs> I wanted. I had asked Jeff because Jeff said, "Hey, I'm going to Funky Buddha Sunday today to pick up their Love Below, which got released on Valentine's Day." I said, "Hey, cool." Lo and behold, they have a one PP. That's one bottle per person. They have so one I, said, PP? I got one PP too. One yeah, PP. We all have That's one. One, one, one PP, PP for per life. person. Yeah, one PP for life. <laughs> Wait, you guys have a PP? <laughs> Wet lips. No, you don't even have one. So I emailed them on Instagram because they're very. Well, that's your problem right there. to me on Instagram. No, because we go back and forth on Instagram almost all the time. In you comments. can't email someone then, through Instagram. Then I emailed them. You can DM them. <laughs> I, I, oh, you motherfuckers. I DM them on Instagram. Nothing. <laughs> and then I emailed them. Fucking nothing. And then I said, with this nice plan to make it happen. And I'm bummed. I reached out to like three or four people. Heard nothing back. Lo and behold, they're fucking out. Yeah, I was very much disappointed today when I went down there. And I was like, I, I walk up, they got the little thing set up for the last snow. And I'm like, they're like, how much last snow are you going to get? And I'm like, all of them, as many as you'll give me. And and then they're like, I'm like, do you guys still have the love below? And she's like, no, we don't. And I just looked at her, I'm like, shit, you just <laughs> literally ruined, you just ruined my whole day. Like, you just ruined my life. I wanted did. that bottle. Like and she like you, she could tell like I was actually genuinely like really pissed off that they didn't have any. But then they have like they have their uh, Imperial Club or whatever they call it, and these motherfuckers are all getting like they just have love below there and they're giving it to all these other people. But they told me they were out, which I guess like I can't blame them. That's the perk of being in the club. But then they like publicly in the middle of the tap room right after telling people that they're out of it are giving other people it in front of your face. So. Mm. You know that shit I mean, was kind of weird. That was, that was kind of weird. It was a little weird. It's a pretty good incentive for them to be like. I mean, if you want it, you can like join the join club. the club. Yeah, 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 Murph. Here's yeah, a, Murph that Murph that bit. Here's my experience from beer chasing and being a, being a beer chaser. What I've learned is, um, if the beer is available, you go fucking get it. You don't wait because odds are it's not going to be there if you wait. Not to right. give you any crap, but it was out on the 14th. If you wanted it, you had to get down there the 14th. You had to make the drive. If you're serious, you want it, you got to get it. I've had people even hold things behind the, 
you know, have a hookup at Lucan's or something like that, you know, and he's like, hey, I'm going to hold you two bottles, you know, and some other asshole behind the counter ends up selling it to somebody else, right? even though they're held for you, and they didn't even guarantee they're going to be there. So when they release, if you're a beer chaser, you go get it. Yeah, no, I hear you. I wanted to go down. I just physically can't with work. And then I knew I was coming down on Sunday anyway for the last snow release. So I was like, hopefully they still have it, which like I was pretty sure they would. I like yeah. didn't I didn't think I the buzz good. around the love below was, was like that. But um, but, you know, whatever you win some, you lose some. Not a big deal. I still went down. and got 12 last snow. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure they could just straight diarrhea right into a bottle and people would line up for it. Which brings me to the main the, the main topic of that is speaking of diarrhea. <laughs> diarrhea. This thing on my high school. Anyway, so Murph. So a lot of people have been complaining about Funky Buddha on the like the craft beer drinkers groups I'm in on Facebook about like you know their quality going down, everything being they think Funky Buddha uses extract and how their flavors are changing and how really Funky Buddha isn't like hot shit anymore. And how you know, it's they've really fallen off the horse with, you know, pricing. And and what brought this whole discussion in this in these groups was somebody posted a twenty six dollar last Buffalo in the park bomber out of Publix, saying, "Hey, would you guys pay for pay? Is is this bomber worth thirty bucks?" And the whole like comment fucking blew up, and people are like arguing with each other and saying, "Ah, oh, you suck, you suck, this and that." So I kind of want to go through everyone what everyone thinks kind of of like maybe bomber pricing is it worth is it not worth it and then maybe you know kind of you know touch on like has funky buddha kind of fallen off the horse a little bit is, or you know are they too sweet are they not too sweet or is it just people being you know kind of like pretentious and just getting it just because everyone else says it's well, I mean, I don't know. You post uh, you post anything online, and it's going to turn that way. You could say, like, what's better, Charmin Quilted Northern or the other brand? And they'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. And then somebody says something <laughs> racist. So, like, who knows if it's even a real debate or if somebody just wanted to troll somebody else into saying something dumb. Um, but, uh, boy, is their quality it's going down? It's a very down? loaded question. Question. It's a big loaded question. I don't think their quality is going down on some of their stuff. I think that, you know, we talked about uh, their new core brand in the Pineapple Beach uh, as being one of the uh, one that I would not have put my name behind if I were them, especially as a year round offering. So I don't know. Um, but that's, you know, my take, I was down there. I went down to get the last snow released today and I saw a lot of very happy people getting last snow today. And last snow tastes as good as I remember it tasting. So to me, I don't think so, quality on some of their stuff is going down at all. Right. So do you think before someone else answers, do you think, Jeff, that maybe people just don't understand what Funky Buddha, like, or majority of their stuff is very dessert-based, very sugary, sweet. Do people just not... That's like, their moniker. Don't make that connection or, like, always too sweet. But it's like, more than half what they make is, like, dessert. Or like here's, lemon meringue. Or, here's you know, my thing. I, I, I know we've been told in the past and people have made comments about the fact that Funky Buddha doesn't use extracts and they've been uh, very open about like we don't use extracts at all. I don't see any possible way that they've never used an extract in any of these beers. I'll like, stop you there. I will have to interject. Like oh, oh. just production wise and food science wise, there, there are so many different ways that the, the – 
common understanding of brewing for, that a lot of people have, they wouldn't be able to understand how some of these actual things are happening. Okay. Yeah. I, I fully understand. I get that. I don't know anything about brewing, but I'm just saying like when they come out and it tastes literally like a piece of French toast, like you have to assume they didn't make that with the raw ingredients of French toast and hope that it came out tasting like French toast. Well, and, and there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing that too. And, and I don't know their process. I'm not going to pretend to sit here and say that they do or they don't. But I mean, if, that, if that's what they're saying, then that's what they're saying. If they're lying, then they're lying. If they're not, then they're doing a crazy hell of a job getting those flavors in there. Because Jesus. Um, um, so on one of those one of those questions you had, like, are they getting too sweet? Is it too crazy? I mean, if you're buying a lemon meringue beer and you're mad that it's too lemon meringue, then Joke's kind of on you. Sorry. Right. <laughs> like you that's, bought, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. So, so on a couple different things that you, like the original question that you had, it had a few different facets there to where if you don't mind me pulling up my little soapbox. Just been on it. I've been on it. So Stand. that was the sound of the soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have, I need somebody to get on that. Um, <laughs> so, I'll add it. <laughs> so I even wrote them down the same little list that I wrote down here. Um, one one fair thing is pricing too. Like most people don't understand that pricing isn't exactly the breweries. Uh, it's not within their realm to control pricing down to a consumer level. There's a lot of other things that can happen too. You know what I mean? Um, and it's one of those things where breweries might charge more because they think they're being well received and they think they can get away with it. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. With Funky Buddha, I don't see many Last Buffalo in the park sitting on shelves. So I think they're doing okay with it. Um, but at the same time, just because they sell it to a distributor doesn't mean the distributor is going to turn around and be like, all right, well, we're going to follow the exact same formula. You know, sometimes they bump up the pricing. Sometimes they bring down the pricing. Um, it just, it's a situational specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with, with the demand too, with a lot of these people saying that maybe if, you know, the quality of the beer has gone down or, you know, a lot of the stuff's just not as good as it used to be. I think a lot of that is, is kind of the same mindset of, you know, like when you find a band and they're playing like the, the shitholes in your neighborhood and then all of a sudden they sign that record deal and they go up and they do kind of like a, a more what you perceive commercialized kind of album. Like you still go walk around and be like, yeah, their old album was better. And I think that's kind of the same mindset a lot of people have with this is like they were fans whenever they were a smaller, maybe kind of nano or kind of startup brewery. And now that they can find their beers on a public shelf, it, it kind of diminishes the brand perception in their eyes. So they immediately start turning on it and being like, well, it's not what it used to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with that and then with quality going down, um, if you invest that amount of money in that big of a brew house and your quality goes down, then you did it wrong. That's not a thing. Like you, you buy that kind of equipment to make your beer better and faster and more efficient. So, I mean, there could be, there could be an argument to it. I, unfortunately, I think a lot of that is subjective, but as far as, as far as I'm concerned, like they're still doing the same thing they were doing. They're just doing it on a bigger scale and some people are for it and some people are against it. And there always will be people for or against it, you know? And Chris, yeah, you're, you're a fan of Funky, right? I love Funky Buddha. I mean, like, I, let's, I'll be completely honest. I mean, I don't think everything they make is, is gold, but, you know, there's a few beers that they make that, like, even as a beer fan, I still kind of geek out about. And I'd go out and I'd actually sit there waiting in line for it. Sure. And that's, you know, I don't mean to sound conceited, but that's saying a lot. I mean, I've, I, I get it. I've, I've had beers. I mean, I know it'll come around. So if I'm going out of my way to get it, then in my opinion, it's Absolutely. worth it. So, Preston, what do you think? 
Well, let's see. You know, I, I wasn't a super huge fan of Funky Buddha in the past years. I wasn't as familiar with the line, so I couldn't tell you, you know, if Last Snow came out three years ago, if it's different than what it was the year before. You know, the year before was the first time I ever had it, and I've kind of seen it come around the second time. To Chris's point, uh, certain ones are definitely still the same to me. Last Snow tastes the same every time I've had it so far. Um, so I, I liken some of it, though, you know, to – as Chris can probably agree, you know, you look at something, let's say a homebrew scale, right? You have something five gallons. You could probably linearly scale most of anything up to like 20 gallons, 30 gallons and keep the recipe the same. But if they're going into like big, big production, even though they're using the same recipes, I think there might be the small chance that in scale, you know, they're seeing these slight fluctuations in the process and the, in the timing of things. And you, you're going to see some differences from their smaller batches. And it, it maybe it's not the best <laughs> example because they're, um, you know, they're not going from five gallons to 30 gallons. They already had a huge brew house to start with, and I imagine they've, they've ramped it up for distribution or whoever they're using to distro it. But I'd like to think there's some of that is just, you know, in, in the scaling up, you're not going to be able to control some of the things maybe as easy as you could. And, you know, some of that stuff is just going to uh, change a little bit here to here, batch to batch, and usually those guys will blend it together, you know. Um, even, even guys like Cigar City, when they make highlight, they generally – brew it twice and blend because one might be, you know, 6.2%, one might be 6.4%. They blend it together to get their 63 where they should be. So each batch is a little different. Um, so I just, I guess, an opinion on that. Um, something else, you know, Chris touched on that I kind of agree with, you know, I don't, I don't know that the debate of whether they use artificial flavor or not is true or not. I just went and looked at the bottle. So I said, I'll be right back. I looked at the bottle of maple bacon and it says it uses natural flavors. So is that extract? I mean, if you're using natural extract, can you put natural flavors in a bottle and still call it? Well, it's not extract. It's natural right. flavoring. So with that, I, I remember, you know, back in, in the college days of doing an article on, on some sort of food preparation aspect of things. And there, there literally is a, a, a fine line to where depending on how you source the flavoring out of something, then that's how you call it. So if I remember correctly, and I could be shit wrong, and I'm sorry in advance if I am, but if you actually... I usually am. Yeah, exactly. It happens to me often. So like, (laughs) if you get the flavors out of the ingredient itself, and you have more or less the essence or whatever it is within a different medium, then that's technically a natural flavor. If you derive that flavor from something other than the original source then that's technically just a flavoring or an adjunct or whatever it may be. So they, they can be using flavorings, yes, but at the same time, they're still, they still might be derived from the actual components that they're originally going from. Right, and that's right. kind of where my argument lies is the semantics of natural versus artificial flavors. I think when people hear extract, they automatically assume artificial, artificial. flavors. But right. you can make an extract that is natural flavoring. So I think... You know, maybe it's clever on Funky Buddha. They're skirting around the question by saying, well, <coughs> as we understand, the question you're asking me is, are you are you asking if we use anything artificial? Not so much, but we do use some extracts and natural flavorings to enhance some of the flavors of these beers. And actually, on, the, on yeah, a side ahead. note, can I ask you guys a question? Just curious of what your all of your opinions are. Like, it, how important is it to you that the flavors in your beer come from the actual ingredient itself or come from a natural derivative or come from even a synthetic derivative. How big I'm of a so, deal is that to you? I'm so glad you just asked me that because I was just thinking to myself, I can't wait to ask in the next second, does it really matter or does anybody actually give a shit if it's extract or not? Because I don't. And I'm a beer, and I'm a beer guy. Like I, 
I will tell you if what is important to me is what you say is going to be in that beer is in that beer. If you tell me that beer is going to taste like French toast, it better fucking taste like French toast. And if it doesn't, then you did it wrong. And I would, if you have to use a, a, a artificial or non-artificial flavor or an extract or a regular whatever to get it to taste like you say it's going to taste, I'm on board. Don't care how you do it. If it's on the bottle, it better be in the beer. That's the only thing I care about. So, is it that important to me? No. And that's what makes uh, something like The Love Below, which is a beer that we all know I love so much that I couldn't get. I got on tap today and I did enjoy it today on tap. But what makes that beer so exciting for me is that you have a brewery who does these off-the-wall culinary-inspired beers. And then to see them execute a complex barrel-aged blended stout that has that is not – you know, it's not their like typical overly sweet. Let's make it taste like some kind of dessert beer. It's actually a well-executed, stylistically perfect beer that they make. That makes that more important to me. It, all of a sudden, because of the you know the body of their work being so gimmicky, in a lot of ways, when they do execute on a style well, it makes it that much better. Yeah, I, I hear about adjuncts. I used to kind of poo-poo them. But ever since we kind of started doing the show and I, I've, you know, grown as, you know, an enthusiast and kind of seen the world more well-rounded, I just like Jeff, I don't care anymore. Um, as long as it, if you say it's going to have vanilla, I better taste it. If it's going to have some weird rose petal, I better get something that I, that is rose petal-ish to me to where it's like, all right, I can taste the floral notes, the floral notes I can taste the passion fruit, the, the cranberry, whatever. But, you know, in the, our earlier episodes, I would say, yeah, well, Dogfish can do all these flavors without adding adjuncts. Why can't anybody else? But I have since uh, grown from that and, and see it differently. I think the only time I care is when I know there's a better version or alternative and they use the shortcut to cheat. You know, like um, I don't even have a good example off the top of my head, but, you know, something like a – I don't know, like, a, like a strawberry or something, right? Like you can use a strawberry flavoring and it's, it's not going to taste like good. You know, if you just use four ounces of brewer's best strawberry flavoring in your five gallon batch without having any real strawberries in there. Sure. It's going to taste like strawberry, but you know, right when you taste it, it's not real strawberry. So that's the only time I have a problem with it is when it, it's so overdone with the extract and you can tell there's no real natural in there, but you know, I, I keep pointing to Chris, you know, as a fellow home brewer, like, those little extracts, you use like one ounce of the four ounces in addition to some like great fruit. It's going to taste great, and it's going to make the nose a little more strong. But the second you taste the extract, it's where it's kind of like, ah, kind of extracty. Not really a fan of this. If you can taste it, it's too much. You did it wrong. But uh, overall, I don't have a problem with it as long as you – it's not the star. You can't taste it, and you weren't just doing it as a shortcut to kind of make this beer taste like something you're trying to, to do. That's That right there is the key component. I think the big thing is – as long as you're not trying to cut corners by using it, then you're fine. <clears throat> like I'm, I'm a full believer that if whatever you have at your disposal, use it. And if yeah. you can, if you can pull it off and it actually complements the beer and it makes it better than something that what that didn't have it in there, then use it. But at and the, the same time, and the that, last, the last point on the uh, the pricing part that I, I didn't touch on, you know, oh, that's right. I'll go back to Chris again. You know, being a home brewer is just like you and I could brew last snow, let's just say for whatever it would be probably 125 bucks for, for five gallons, hundred bucks. You know, it's a pretty big Imperial stout. You're going to need some toasted coconut. You're going to need some vanilla beans. You're going to need thyme, some sugars, you know, probably a hundred dollar five gallon batch is, and that's like a $10 bomber. 
So I have to assume like last Buffalo is somewhere around 30 bucks. So I'm going to say it costs three times as much as a regular one. So does it cost me three times as much to brew last Buffalo, which is 20% more alcohol and 20% more coconut. And again, we, we touched on the distributors are the ones really controlling the price, but it's not worth to me three times as much because I know I could brew that beer for way less than three times as much. I could brew that beer for under 300 bucks a five gallon batch. I could probably do it for 150 or 175 barring I had the right barrels and, and stuff. Well, well, on that same vein too, I mean like the reason why the brewery would upcharge something like that is because they didn't have to source the barrels. They have to sanitize the barrels. Those barrels are sitting there in the brewery taking up space that could be then be used for something else. So in their mind, they're passing that same cost along as well. They should. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's something they could easily be doing as well. So at that point, whenever they're setting the price, is it something that they actually look at it and follow the same formula that they would normally do, say like a 30% margin? Or do they look at it and go, all right, this is going to fly. We're going to go ahead and throw it at maybe a 40% margin. And then all of a sudden your distributors get it. And they can do the same thing. They can either look at it and be like, all right, a 30 to 35% margin. But then they're also like, well, we've only got 10 of them and we know 30 accounts want it. So we're going to go ahead and bump it up 45 or 50% margin. And then by the time it gets down to the price, the retailer then has to take that same 30% and they have the same decision to make. Do they follow the same base formula? So then you have these extra margins added at three different steps. And not saying that anybody does it specifically, but there, there is that avenue of opportunity. So by the time it gets down to you on the shelf, it's, you know, those, those pennies that might be at the breweries turn into dollars at the, that the wholesalers turned into maybe fives of tens of dollars at the, at the uh, store level. So like it's, it's, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. So. Preston, are you going to say something? No. Okay. Said enough. Yeah. So <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just the way business works. Anybody who has an opportunity to make a buck is going to make a buck. I think mm-hmm. one of the bigger problems with it is not that, that, the pricing is going to fluctuate from place to place. If you have your place where you're going to get it, then you get it. If you don't, then don't buy it when it's too much money. And if nobody buys it when it's too much money, then they're not going to price themselves out of the market. Like the only people we have to blame for them price gouging is the people who are buying it at an exorbitant price. Um, But the thing that concerns me more is when you have a one-off and a rare barrel aged beer from funky Buddha being sold at Publix, like that shit is what's kind of making like that makes the craft market so not not just too available because like making it available is cool but it takes away the entire mystique of the beer and if i know i can get last buffalo at the park at Publix, for even if it's 36 dollars or whatever you said it was 26 dollars or 30 bucks or whatever like That's even if it's what over, i bought it for <laughs> even if it's even if it's pricey like the fact that it's available at Publix makes me not ever want, like, why would you ever go down to the brewery to get it? Or why would you go try to experience a fresh ball? You know, like it, it takes the, it takes the entire point of them doing that beer away when you sell it at a place like Publix. It takes the chasing away. You know, you're like, Oh shit, I got this on the corner store at Publix and not at a bar or, or a specific liquor store or, you know, a mom and pop shop. But um, it's you guys go ahead, Chris. It, it, and this just might be from my own background. <clears throat> so it may be very narrow sided and I apologize in advance if it is with, with that kind of stuff though, too, with the way that, that the beer industry has been changing in the last two or three years, you know, you look at brands like that to where if they have the potential to be able to put that product inside of such a large store, such as Publix and really gain that foothold and start getting their reputation there. 
it may be beneficial to them to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah. To where like, you know, instead of focusing on, on only getting like the niche cool little bars to have it, you know, they, they utilize that one avenue of having something that has 600 locations throughout Florida that's actively selling their stuff and actively going through it and actively excited about it. Then they know that they have a built-in uh, account base to kind of sell these specialty items should for some reason they become um, a little less savory in some of the more independent places because they've been a little overlooked. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, yeah, but yeah, on, yeah, but on the flip side of that argument, let's say hypothetically that you have a place like Publix and they're selling only core brands. So they carry Hop Gun and they carry Floridian and they sell more Hop Gun and Floridian than anybody else sells all of Funky Buddha's portfolio combined. Last Buffalo in the Park comes out and the guy who's been selling 15 taps of funky Buddha and every different thing that ever comes out and supporting them stronger than you ever could imagine to the best of his ability, but can't compete with Publix loses out on that brand because Publix has the capability to sell one brand more than he can sell 15. No, and and that's where you get screwed because I, I know from experience when I was at Wab Altamont, we were the number two cigar city account in central Florida. Number two, because the number one account, only had highlight and they sold it on happy hour seven days a week and they sold more highlight than i sold five permanent taps wow but shit. but when we went to go get a cigar city tap takeover we lost out on two different one-offs that were allocated to the other account over mine even though i had 16 different SKUs that i brought in and they had one see so, that's who, where it gets so-, so who screwed who gets screwed there that's a whole other that's argument. Thing, <laughs> that's where it gets so weird because, like, that's where you know when you pull the curtain back and you show the 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 relationship between the the brewery and the distributor and then the retailer and then back to like, the consumer. You know, there's there is no formula. Like every brand and every distributor relationship that they have, whether it be you know one brewery specifically with their policy or one brewery having to deal with seven different distributors throughout and seven different policies. There's just so many things that can go awry. So with like Cigar City. Um, you know, you can make the argument that Cigar City didn't care, but at the same time, more realistically, you can make the argument that maybe somebody's just looking at uh, a report and a CE number, and only two of these kegs came in, and the one with the higher wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, yeah. it, it, who's to say what exactly happened? But those are the tiny little things that happen that can upset a lot of people down the pipeline that I don't think a lot of people really know or kind of appreciate with the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've heard a lot of horror stories about, you know, working with distributors where it's like, even somewhere like Lucan's, you know, the, the local store here who is huge with like Cigar City and Terrapin. I mean, they probably sell more Cigar City and Terrapin than anybody in the area are still getting forced to buy 10 cases of, you know, high five IPA or whatever. If you want the, the two cases of Mucchiato coming in, like we have these shelf turds that we got to get rid of. So for us to give you two cases of the cool stuff you want, we need you to kind of take these five off our hands and, I don't care what you got to do, discount it to the customer, give it a buy one, get one, but um, get it out of our, you know, out of our warehouse. Yeah, but thanks for selling more of our brand than anybody else for the entire year. Now we're going to punish you for it. Yeah. You know, it's bull crap. So I want, I kind of want to circle back around to, to, you know, the pricing and bombers and whatnot. Uh, Chris, I know has stepped away, but Jeff, have you had, <clears throat> excuse me, have you had the last Buffalo in the park? I have not. No, it wasn't available to me around me. I tried to get it when it came out. It sold out instantly at every place that we had around here. And to be honest with you, um, I didn't like 
the the branding on it to the point that I didn't actually know what the beer was. So I wasn't overly pursuing it. Had okay. I known what it was, I would have probably ended up with a bottle or two. Um, but I didn't really attack it as hard as I should have because I was like, okay, new, you know, new uh, one off from Funky Buddha, Last Buffalo in the Park. I'm not, I'm not really sure what it is. They didn't do a, a fantastic job branding it. And as far as I'm remember, didn't they already have a, a Imperial Barrel Age Last Snow called Snowed In? Does that not exist anymore? I yeah. am. Yeah, that does exist, but I'm not sure on the difference between the two. So when it, that was the other thing. So everybody's like, oh, no, it's like, it's like an imperial, it's like a barrel-aged last snow. And I was like, so it's snowed in. And they're like, no, no, it's it's not the same thing. And I, I could be wrong. I'm as, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking the difference is that one of the two is barrel-aged and one of the two is just imperial. Uh, and I don't know which one is which, but... I thought that sounds like snowed in and I've had snowed in. So I'm not that excited about, you know what I mean? Like I read on the internet, so, you know, trust whatever you read on the internet with a grain of salt. Last Buffalo in the park is barrel aged snowed in exclusively aged in Buffalo trace barrels. Oh, so you're absolutely right there. Okay. So, so, so it is snowed in. This is, a pre- this, this is a premium premium. So the premium snowed in is not getting premium because it's in a barrel. Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So it's like it's like Brandy Barrel Hunapu or something. So they took their 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 flagship beer and then made it even more flagship. Okay, so let's, let's, I'm on board so, with that. So let's let's back it up one step. The, the The medium price I've been seeing is thirty bucks. It's been slightly lower. It's been slightly higher, but for the most part, this bomber, Last Buffalo in the Park, is thirty dollars. Now with with Funky Boo specifically, do you think one is any other bombers worth thirty dollars, and then two? Our bomber price is kind of getting out of hand, or is that even a problem? You know, bomber price is going for like forty bucks for a bomber of this one-off for this yearly release kind of deal. So what I've actually seen now, I'm starting to read, is that breweries are going out of the bomber business. Like a lot of breweries are now starting to do the the sixteen point nine ounces, like um, uh, Goose Island was doing with uh, yeah. their their big one. A lot of breweries are getting out of that bomber business and going more into the specialty four packs. I know we saw. Southern Tier has done that with a lot of their offerings, Pumpkin, Warlock. Um, Creme Brulee, I just Creme got a four-pack from them. They're having their four-packs. So I think we're going to see maybe even less of that and that trend kind of catching on with more folks. I know Oscar Blues is doing that a lot, too, with their uh, 1050, that the, the barrel age or run barrel age 1050 came in 16.9 ounces, four-packs. I, th- I think with, with Bombers, too, like the reason why, and, and I can only speak on behalf of like my perception as far as how Florida went, but with Bombers, you know, they were that that one-time opportunity to be able to get a pretty good amount of something super rare. You normally wouldn't be able to kind of either share it with somebody or maybe have one to yourself or whatever it was. But I think it was a really good way for breweries to be able to get the the most, like, exposure with a beer that they could as opposed to having to put out six packs of everything. They could do one Bomber, ship out a case of it, then people got an opportunity to try it. And if it worked well, it worked well. Now... You know, there's there's so many different one-offs coming out every single day, every single week, all that kind of stuff to where I don't think people are really clamoring over them as much as they used to. Um, and, and with that being said, too, you'll see a lot of breweries, kind of like we were just saying, that are moving away from that. And whether they be like the, the large, you know, you know, champagne bottles or something like that down to 22 ounces or, you know, like the brewery that I work for, which I won't say out loud. But if you haven't figured it out already, you're not following the breadcrumbs. Um <laughs> 
if you haven't figured it out yet, then there's that. But at the same time, we're, you know, we're shying away from, from large format bottles and, and actually looking at doing like four pack, 12 ounce cans of some of these specialty things. Cause you know, if you've got your beer chasers out there, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of buy a four pack and trade out three or two of them and kind of keep one for yourself than it is to get one bottle. And then you look at these events where you have one bottle per person and this, that, or whatever. So um, I think there's less demand for sure for bombers, but at the same time, if the brewery has its weight behind it, and people are still going out of their way to go find it, then, you know, if they can get away with it, go for it. But I think it's going to trend yeah. down for sure. Well, I mean, and I also think that the, I think the four pack, uh, cans, I almost think the smaller the package, uh, and the more of them you can get is the better when you're talking about these one-offs, because like Chris just said, you're going to want to trade them out or you're going to want to give them to somebody else and allow your friends to trade them out. I mean, a handful of us, every time we go down to a brewery, right. And it's a release day. What do we do? We text each other. We text our friends. Hey man, does, do you, do you want me to pick up this for you? Do you want me to pick up that for you? If you can get it in a four pack can, I don't, as far as I go, I mean, yes, I just bought a lot of last snow, like volume wise, like a lot of beer, but, but like I have intentions of, of trading those beers out or, or things like that. I, I'm not going to drink 12 last snows, but the volume per se doesn't matter to me. If I crack open a can and I can have one of that beer, I tried it and I got my, you know, I got what I wanted out of it. So the bomber format is kind of shitty when you think about the fact that like most people are wanting to try that beer. They're not wanting to drink two and a half glasses of it in one sitting. If you get what I'm saying, like, like a Hunapu is meant to share. A Hunapu is meant to share. If you're not going to share it, you don't want it in a bomber. You'd rather it be in a can because if you just want to have one Hunapu, you can't do it. It's in a bomber. Yeah. So you have to have two and a half. I guess the, <laughs> the interesting other side of the coin too, and I've seen this a couple of times is, so we're saying like, you know, last Buffalo's $30 bomber. I'd have to assume that it'd be a $15 single bottle. And like, I'm, I'm much more likely to buy like a $25 bomber than ever to buy a $15 single, single bottle. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. 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 So I mean, on, on both of those, though, like trying to show both sides of the coin, I can think of two examples myself, right? So if we're, we're talking about the overhype of bottles and if it's worth it for pricing, um, there is one brewery where like I, I will buy bombers from them until my face is blue if I had it in the budget. So like Cascade, if I ever see those bottles, I do not regret spending $35 on a bottle of that. That stuff is amazing. But at the same time, you look at something like um, – and nothing against them in any way, shape, or form – um, like hop slam this year, you know, you're looking at, I think total wine had it at like $22 six packs. Oof. And I'm looking at that and I'm like, like, I, I get it. It's got hype and it's a, it's an amazing beer. And I don't mean to discredit it in any way, shape or form, go try it. But at the same time, I personally am not that excited about it to where I'd pay $22 a six pack for it. However, if I see one single on the shelf for four bucks, I'll totally buy it. And that's yeah. exactly what I did. I mean, the ultimate answer is subjective. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's depending on the person. But, you know, the topic of, yeah, I, do I agree that, you know, the, the taller four-pack is a better way than the bomber? Absolutely. Like, just like everyone said, buy the four-pack, keep one. You can either give the other three to your friends, train them out, whatever. That's way better than a single bomber. But in Orlando, I've been noticing an increase in bomber releases every month. Like, How so? Uh, Red Cyphers is having a new bomber every other month. Bowiegans is having a new bomber release every other month. Uh, I mean, uh, Hourglasses have maybe not bombers, but they're having you know beer releases every you know. So uh, Wops Hops is having bomber releases you know frequently. 
So it's it went from no bombers in Orlando to now it's like every other Friday there's something being released. I think there's a difference there too, though, because you know it's one thing to release bottles into distribution; it's another just do it out of the tap room. You know what I mean? So you know it. it, it, I understand doing it out of the tap room because it's one of those kind of cool things where you can take that one limited beer home that maybe you can't get a growler of. How dare you? How dare you get that out of my face? Oh, Jeff, (laughs) Jeff's flashing his last no. But um, like you can get that one beer that that you couldn't get on a growler station or whatever it may be. You can kind of take that back and share it with some friends or even finish it yourself. I don't judge anybody. Who cares? But when it when mm-hmm. you know you, you take that same format and you throw them all into distribution, you know, then you're fighting for shell space and then you're you're going up against every other bomber that's coming out, and it's a matter of who's doing it best and what's really drawing attention. I think tap rooms, you're fine. But when you go into distribution, you, you really gotta make sure you got a really solid product that already has a really solid right. following behind it. I think a bomber of what bomber do you think Funky Buddha makes? or beer that they make is worth a $30 price point for a bomber. Cause they were selling last, last snow for 10 bucks. I think I will say this, uh, similar to what Chris said earlier. And because I, I kind of understand the logistics of what it takes, um, to store that product for as long as it takes to, to release it. I would say any of their barrel east uh, barrel aged, and this is any brewery, any barrel aged bomber, um, can you can see at least at least double the price point on it, and I think that's fair. Um, at least double. Uh, if you're talking about now, um, so if it was just a barrel aged last snow, then then I could say twenty to twenty two bucks uh, is completely fair. But when you already have an imperial beer that you know, and then it, that's now we have the imperial version of last snow, and then we're going to barrel age it on top of that. I'd say 30, 30 bucks is a no brainer um, and people will pay it. And, and that's the big problem is the market. People will pay it. I, I think funky Buddha has at least eight to 10 beers that they can charge $30 a bomber for and people will pay it. So I, I don't think any of it's bad. Interesting. Okay. That's a, okay. Eight to 10. I do. Yeah. I think they I have, I do. Okay. No wrong. There's no wrong even, answer. It's personal preference. Go ahead, Chris. I don't even think there's a a funky Buddha stipulation to this. I think it really follows down to that old business philosophy of like you're worth what people will pay you. Exactly. So if, also, if, if, it's, if it's moving off the shelf, it doesn't matter whether it's in a Publix or a Sitco gas station in the middle of nowhere or in like the trendiest beer bar that ages all of their beer in caves that they made themselves. Like if it sells, it's fine. So well, and if, if it's selling right. over there, then, you know, we can sit here and talk till our faces are blue about whether or not it's good or not. But, you know, other people are turning it to pee as we speak. So there we go. But do you think, do you think a beer that Funky Buddha makes would be worth a $30 price point? I think if people are paying it, then yes. <laughs> but what, it's a very political, political way of, but that's his principle. <laughs> yeah. That's, I agree with that. All right. Principle. No, no, no. But honestly, okay. So on, on that same vein, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest, I think for 30 bucks, I can actually buy a bottle of Buffalo Trace and a bottle of Last Snow myself and have a much better night than just that one bomber. Okay. However, um, it's a really, really good beer, and I think I paid twelve bucks for a five ounce pour of it, and I don't regret the twelve bucks at all. And if we're looking at proportions, then I would have paid way more for the bottle at that price. So, I mean, I'm glad I tried it. I'm, I don't regret spending the money on it. And if it was something that I had never had that beer before, or didn't really understand what they were about, but really wanted to try what the hype was about, I don't think I would have been disappointed at all. Okay, Preston, so. is there a beer that Funky Buddha makes that would be worth thirty bucks to you and a bomber? 
Man, that's, that's tough. Because um, to me, really, 30 bucks is the ceiling for me. 30 $35 bomber is like the as high as I'm willing to ever go. And even that, I rarely buy a $30 bomber by myself. Like, I got Last Buffalo because of a friend of mine who's into these beers also and split the cost with me. If they would not have split the cost with me, I wouldn't have bought that bomber. I mean, 30 bucks to me is outrageous. That's like, for me, sometimes an entire weekend's budget of like beer money. If I want to buy beer money, I can get myself three, six packs of something, you know, or, you know, a couple of good four packs or whatever, or one bomber and go over my budget and be spending 50, 60 bucks or whatever. So, um, funky Buddha specifically, you know, I, I would put Hunapu at that $30 bomber range, $35 bomber range, like premium. I think to me, that's one of the few beers that's really worth it to me that I would spend my hard earned money physically without splitting it with somebody to get a 30 or $35 bomber. So I guess the question then boils down to, do I think like Last Buffalo is as good as Hunapu? I don't think so. So to me, Last Buffalo is more, I think, reasonably priced at 20 You know, the fact that it's up at 30 Again, I know we got distributors. You can probably find it somewhere for 22 a little closer to that price point. But um, I, I think my favorite beers are French Toast, and I don't think that would be worth 30 I think that's another – it's getting up towards premium. That's a $17, $18 bomber i can see paying for it but not, i don't think there's anything worth 30 bucks out of funky buddha that i've i've personally had i haven't had the sure. love down below yet a couple other ones but so to answer my own question because i i bought the last buffalo and i paid 30 bucks i like i thought Ooh. i enjoyed yeah idiot <laughs> um is it high you know compared to nor- what i normally say yeah but i enjoyed it and to me it was worth the 30 bucks on the same token, I bought the Barrel Age Morningwood, which is their maple bacon coffee porter, Barrel Age. That was also 30 bucks. Not worth. I did not feel like I got $30 worth of, of value to that. But would there be a Funky Buddha beer that I would pay 30 bucks for a bomb for? Absolutely. And it's French toast. And only, I, I would do Love Below too. I'd pay 30 bucks for Love Below. But well, definitely French no, toast for sure. What, but, what uh, I was going to say, so if you're drinking, if you're going out to a bar, right, and you're going to go out and you're going to drink uh, a, a few beers and you're going to try to get a little buzz on, you're going to enjoy yourself, you're going to spend more than $30. If you drink one of these bombers, you're going to spend $30 and you're going to get a bigger buzz on than you did if you went out to any bar and spent the same $30 on individual beers. That's, I mean, so, yeah. It, as, far as, a fina- as far as a financial standpoint goes, it doesn't make that much it's not that much of an outrageous statement to pay. Pay $30 for 22 ounces of 12 or 10 or 8% beer because by the time you're done with that, you would have spent 30 bucks at the bar and got less drunk. And not that the goal is to get drunk, but I'm saying as far as getting your money's worth in liquid, you get your money's worth in liquid if it's if it's the right bomber. Would you pay $30 for a 6.4% last snow bomber? No, but I don't think that's why they don't ask you to pay that. You know, like, yeah, it's not all about ABV. I get that. It's about barrel aging. It's about how long it takes in the facility before they can send it out. It's about how much inventory they're holding. Uh, I mean, every time that you're sitting there holding over these barrels full of beer, it's, it's a, you have to write that off on inventory. That's a line item that they're, you know, it's costing them money to hold that product. So every time they do that, they're going to pass that expense on to you, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Good episode, guys. Anyone have anything else to add before we uh, wrap it up here? No. Everyone's Everybody quiet. Cr- Everyone's quiet. Yeah, a bunch of. I don't know, man. Now, yeah. I feel like I feel like yeah. I don't know. I feel like do we just like do we all hate each other now? No, like this is not like, <laughs> maybe a little, but in like a professional way. 
<laughs> I, I still love I still love each and every one of you. No, vice versa, man. I, I think it's it's cool having all the, the different people here to just kind of offer different perspectives too. So, on a side I note, guys, I had an awesome group. time today down at Funky Buddha. Fantastic time. I did have a good time. I'm so proud of you. About just paying for an experience, it was worth going down there. As always, their tap room is amazing, and I had a good time. So, I still have yet to go. Episode, I think you talked about going to. Oh, you want you haven't gotten you I go down the lounge, not the not the not the tap room tap room. No, I've been to the lounge because like we were driving through over to Miami, the fiance and I, and uh, I really wanted to check it out, and I put the wrong GPS location in, so it took mm-hmm. us to like the, the Nano where they started, which is super cool. Don't get me wrong. But when you're going in and expecting like 20 taps and a 30 barrel system and all this crazy awesome stuff, and you don't get that, it was a little bit of a letdown. Definitely not me. worth the $30 Definitely. admission. <laughs> <laughs> not to uh, not to <laughs> pitch not to pitch their job for them, but I did see they are hiring a brewery manager at the Nano in Boca, the, mm-hmm. the original location. Just saying, if you're interested, any of you listeners. They're also, I think they're still hiring a, a couple people for a couple different positions. Yeah, but don't worry, they won't the, they uh, won't expansion. return your email, so it's it's worthless. Don't <laughs> don't even waste your time. I, I one of the, <laughs> the first one I saw was email returner, and like the requirements was must respond to Mike. Yeah, what the fuck, man? <laughs> I think I think next episode we're gonna talk about the impact of social influencers because that's us, and they don't pay us. We haven't gotten a dime from any brewery ever. And we shouldn't. We do this for fun because it's what we Correct. love. Like, well, we well we should because why not? But don't don't but discourage not, people. Listen. However, I will work for beer. I'm just saying. If you want to pay me, you pay me, guys. Don't listen to Chris. Yeah, yeah. I accept. We, we already know Chris isn't getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's the, the the free labor. So, but yeah, it's like you know they, we haven't gotten a dime in terms of money from anybody, but yet we've been talking about Funky Buddha since day one. You know, so. Show some respect, like Due South did, and that's why they're cool. Shout out to Due South. Hey, hey, Brian. Can I throw out like a quarter topic? I know you're trying to wrap up, but I do have some. No, go ahead, go for topics. it. Man. No, I like topics. Keep going. We um, I want to get you guys thought on this. I know Mike and I both experienced this. We checked out a couple of breweries in the area. Some new ones for me. Some new ones for him. Yes, sir. Uh, the fact that when you go in there, they've got their little chalkboard and they've got these awesome oh. beers written up there, and you go to order, and they're like. Sorry, we don't have that one right now. <laughs> Mike, okay, what brewery does that remind you of, Mike? Well, what reference. brewery have I gone to, Mike, where they always say that, Mike? Which one? Mike. There's a, there's a whole handful. Is There's a PH one in Deland, and there's another one in Sanford. <laughs> but so we walked in, and they have this huge chalkboard with, like, eight beer names. And Preston, you know, our first time there, we don't, you know, know, you know what the fuck, how they do things. He's like, oh, can I get that? Oh, well, that's not coming out yet. Well, then why the fuck is it on the board if it's not, if it's, like, it was, it was up there like a beer that yeah. was off. And it was, like, colorful. It wasn't just, like, a little sidebar with some asterisk next to it, like, don't even bother asking about these. These are just some stuff we want you to know about. They were, like, super colorful, like, hey, look at me. Yeah, there was no coming soon. It just said the beer name, what was in it, as if it was on tap. There's no, like, coming soon or, or you know, releasing next week, anything like that. You know who got me real bad with one of those? I went to Tampa Bay Brewing Co.'s restaurant. You, you guys have been there, I'm assuming, over yeah. in Tampa. It's yeah. like it's definitely a restaurant. Like it's a brewery, but like it's it's a full on. They're more yeah. focused on restaurant than anything else. Their menu had nine of their beers on it, 
I swear to you, I ordered six beers that they did not have on tap. I, and they were on their menu oh. in print. Like, I'm like, I want this one. They're like, no, we don't have that. What about this one? No, we don't have it. And, and the, finally, I, I literally ordered six beers. I'm like, just just tell me which ones you have. Like, at this point, like, how have you not taken control of this situation and been like, nope, I'm sorry. We actually only have these three. You know, like, what the I – was, I was so furious. I was like, I'm never coming back here again. And it it, it ruins it. It really does. And breweries do that all the time. Another thing they do is whether or not it actually just blew or didn't just blow or somebody's being lazy and didn't want to change it, I get the, oh, that keg just blew. Are you replacing with anything? No. That also happened at the same brewery. Yes, 100%. Can we just call them out or are we not doing that? Uh, uh, Arcane Ale Works. But they had a passion fruit cranberry berliner, which I almost gave a five out of five. It was that good. Smelled incredible. So good. But mm. they had a, a – it was like a chocolate milk nitro uh, porter or whatever with like Pinellas County chocolate something and like cherries. And I was like, dude, that looks fucking so good. It's on the list. It's on the board. Not crossed out, no nothing. Like it was available. Oh, you know, we only had one slim of it and we're out. My bitch, take that shit down, son. Update it. Dude, I'll, I'll give you that. Like, that's just poor tapery maintenance at that point. But at the same time, I get it. You know, some people have a little bit more urgency than others do on that. However, you did mention chocolate something or other. Um, I forgot to text you guys the other day. Last week, I was sitting over at Rap, and I was sipping on some oh, nitro. Oh, no, no, I know. Oh, you got rap. oh, I know. Yeah. I was just, uh, I was just sipping on some delicious, <laughs> like, chocolate peanut butter stout nitro version. Oh, God. And, uh. All I can think of is how how much you guys would hate me if I were to tell you I that hate, I was doing that. I hate you for that whole day. No, you went. Mm-hmm. The whole day. That's all right. I got some Lichtenheiner too. I was I was a happy oh. happy little boy. Can I tell you? I saw I saw <laughs> I saw a uh, I saw a brewery that had it one time in um, in uh, San Francisco, and they had their their chalkboard on pulley system, right? So oh, it was hung cool. like it was, but then you just go and you pull the fucking thing down like you're lowering the blinds and your windows. And it comes down right behind the bar, and they cross the fucking beer off, and then they just wheel it back up, and it goes right back up to its place of prominence up there. And I'm like, why is everybody not doing that? That's a clothesline rig at Home Depot for twelve fifty. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? Proper tap room management. Maintenance. You're good. Yeah. Problem solved. But their beers were really good, though, so shout out to Arcane. Yeah. Their beers were really good. That was The ones that were available. So where are they? Largo. Okay. Definitely worth the trip, for sure. Great beers, great variety. They had a cucumber mint berliner. Wasn't a big fan. But they had good beers, the ones that we had. But what do you guys think about that? How about that? How about, how about that? Smally bigs. So, Chris, Chris, does that aggravate you then? What's that? I'm sorry. Uh, you know, them hat listing beers on a, a board and not – saying whether they're coming soon or they're out or they're just there. I, I, I feel like I have a very passive mentality on a lot of these issues. Like it's one of those kind of like, if, if you go there and you notice a trend where they just don't really update it, then, then it, you just, you get it, you know what you're going into stepping in. I mean, yeah, you're going there to spend your money on their beer and give them your money. But at the same time, if, if that's just, you know, commonplace standard procedure there, then, you know, it's kind of up to you. It's kind of on you to be mad about something like that if it happens more often. But yeah. at the same time, like, um, I usually myself have like a like two beer threshold. Like, if I order two beers and you're out of both of those, I get it. Especially if it's super busy and your guys are running around and it looks like it's really really busy in there. 
then, you know, I get it. It's one of those things where it's not a high priority, but if it's one bartender and like one person at the bar and you order seven beers and they don't have any of them on draft, that's just laziness. And I, that just irritates me. So I'll just find one that I like. And then the next time I actually think about a place to go get a beer, that's not going to be on it. So they were good though. So I like, I'll go back for sure. For sure. Jeff, what do you think? Well, as a as a hospitality manager and an operator of a of a, a world of beer, which had forty taps that needed to always be filled and always need to be up to date, and the app always needed to have what was on. Sometimes, um, I <laughs> I think it's an absolute. Uh, I, I think you cannot do that. Like I, I think it's laziness. I think it's uh it's a disgrace for your brand. It's what are you doing? That's what you do. Your job is to sell me beer. And you're going to tell me that you can't even put the right fucking names on the board. Like, that's what the one thing you have to do. That's it. You had one, one job tap room. Come one on, job. Danny. <laughs> get this fucking thing up on the wall. Like, I don't get it. I really don't. It doesn't take all that much imagination to figure out a way to get the chalk off of the board. Like you yeah. either take it off or you, or you replace it or you don't. And you know what? If you're not going to do it, then there's service standards that need to be met accordingly. And I'm okay with sitting down and somebody handing me a menu and saying, I'm sorry, guys, by the way, we don't have these two items or these three items tonight. That is okay with me. There's service standards that need to be met. And there's things that I've been trained on and have trained people on as in my life as a restaurant manager of things that you say, hey, if you're out of something, you need to let people know right away before they say, hey, I think I'm going to have this. And you say, oh, sorry, we're out of that. That's you're cheesy. Right, yeah. yeah. Like you need to at least say, hey, listen, the menu, even if it's completely fucked up, even if you have eight beers on and only six of them, you have six beers that aren't on and out of the eight and you only have two that are on, you just say, hey, guys, listen, I'm really sorry. Something weird happened. Printer wasn't working. We couldn't print out new menus. The only beers that we have on tap today that are on that menu are these two. And also you follow that up with, let me tell you about the other ones. And you're fine. Yep. You know? Yep. So Preston, like, what you got going on, man? Shit, right now? Is, right now. What? With this who? With me? With yeah. right this second? Yeah, well, hang right out with you knuckleheads. <laughs> I got That's not mic. the answer I wanted. We got. We're, 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 we're at the little over an hour mark. All right. We got to wrap things up like a mistake. All right. What's going on with me? I uh, just finished brewing a beer today. Our gold medal winning Preston Weizen, a German-style Hefeweizen, very classic be a little amped up on the ABV this time around. Got to get some better efficiency than I was expecting. Uh, things with uh, Bayboro are going good. For those of you might know, we are kind of a brewery in development, kind of testing the waters right now with some R&D stuff. We're going to be at the um, Hourglass is doing their Smash competition, their Smash Festival again in May, I think May 13th. We're going to be bringing some beers out to that. Um, it's going to be this year's Smash is Golden Promise Malt with Hallertau Blanc Hops. Um, they are going to allow some uh, adjuncts such as sugars and fruits to kind of make it a little more interesting. Uh, but we're going to bring up a beer for that as well as two others. One will be the Hefeweizen I brewed today. And the other one, I think we're going to try our first West Coast-style IPA. We're going to test, test the waters there, get some feedback on that R&D. But things are going good. We had DeLand, uh, was a week or two ago? Last week, DeLand went great. A lot of great feedback for us. Um, very, very motivating and encouraging just hearing the people, you know, speak well about the beer. Uh, they're all rated pretty well and untapped. Everything we brought out there is a 4.0 or higher on untapped. So um, happy with Fantastic. that. So, yeah, just, That's killer. That's amazing. Yeah, just, 
just keeping busy, man. Brew, brewing my ass off. I've already brewed like six batches this year. So can you uh, can you tell me where I can pick up one of those handsome ass Bayboro shirts that you're wearing? <laughs> they're they're one and done. This is literally the o, the OG med, uh, a logo that's that's no more. A buddy of mine uh, with this. I like together. it. Oh, thanks. A buddy of mine uh, whipped it up, you know, for us because we had to get something for the festival. Um, but but James, my partner, he's. He's going through an agency right now, and they're they're developing like an actual branding and logos and stuff like that that are uh, a little more modern, a little more a uh, little more in line with exactly what he was wanting. But uh, I might be able to get you one. I mean, literally went to Vistaprint. I took the logo with the Vistaprint. They had a sixty percent off sale. Got it for like four bucks. It was like a no brainer. We bought a couple, brought to the festival. But damn it, that's cool. Yeah, man. So that's that's what I've been up to. Nice. Busy, busy brewing, man, and uh, beer chasing as always. Still doing new episodes. We're at episode ninety nine. I've got one more to go to hundred. Um, Crooked Thumb may end up being the hundredth episode. They mentioned some events that were coming up. That I want to make sure we we get the episode out in time for. Um, I am planning a a live broadcast. I'm trying to get all the beer chasers involved. So that would be Mike, uh, Nate, and John all together in the same you know podcast for the first time ever. Uh, just to kind of take a look back at 100 episodes and kind of see where we've been, talk some trivia, stuff like that. So busy as always. Awesome. Super, Sounds like super it. Super dad on top of all of that. So. Super dad. Chris, what you got going on? <laughs> I'm in the same boat, man, trying to manage all that stuff with the family at the same time. So um, it's going well, man. I actually I just did a presentation today over at Epcot for their uh, their Festival of the Arts. So did like a 30-minute presentation over there on home brewing, which is really cool. So like it's kind of fun to stand in front of a, you know, a couple uh, tens of people as they, uh, they're they all from different parts of the U.S. Sick. Um, <laughs> and kind of show them, uh, you know, what we talk about and, you know, what we do here too. So um, at the same time, brewing a lot, much like Preston. So um, kind of expanding my own little home brewery, if we will. So just got some new equipment, um, some more fermentation space, which – all of you out there may not care about, but I am super geeking out about. Um, um, on top nerd. of that, yeah, nerd. Nerd. Uh, that brewery that I mentioned that I work for is actually launching cans down in Tampa soon. So uh, we're doing that whole launch week coming up in the first week of March, mixed with Hoonapoo, mixed with Florida Brewers Guild Fest, mixed with Tampa Bay Beer Week. So um, I'm pretty sure I'm leasing out an apartment at this point down in Tampa for the next two weeks. Um, but I'm kind of excited about it. It's going to be a good time. So, Awesome. Jeff. That's cool. You guys are pouring over at Hoonapoo, huh? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we'll do a Watermelon Warhead and Catherine's Mounds. So, And now you guys know what breweries with. Um. <laughs> yeah, Red Cup's children. If they, if they don't know, they're the worst. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, me, let's see. Uh, I've been just busy out of my freaking mind with work. Uh, it's been it's been nuts, and we're just uh, trying to keep up with season. It seems like every day more and more people are coming into this town. And um, Good news is I've taken a lot of time off of, of all the other stuff I was doing on top of work. I've been enjoying myself and trying to get out to uh, get out to the breweries, get out to the beer festivals, kind of see what I can do down here in South Florida. So there'll be more coming from me in the future. I have talked to a few um, a few breweries down here that I want to shoot from and uh, and do some stuff in the future with. I've been invited out to uh, somebody I don't want to tell you guys yet. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show yet, so I don't want to do it if I have or not. But um, in case it doesn't work out, but I do have a I do have a brewery that wants to do uh, wants to be on the show with us in the near future as well. So we'll be we'll have some stuff coming out of South Florida soon. Um, some stuff I've been working on now that I'm more established and ready to roll. So 
that will be coming soon. Awesome. So on my end, I've been busy as well. I mean, that's the going trend with everybody. Um, so last week at Deland, I don't know if I mentioned it last last episode, but kind of going, going what Jeff said, um, we had two or three breweries around Orlando want us to actually three want us to actually record at the brewery and talk about their beer and really do a, a brewery highlight. And that's in discussion. Um, Can they ask who? Uh, 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 Ellipsis is the first one, but they, they told us, you know, told me Jeff months ago and then uh, dead lizard and Bum- bombardment brewing. They're not open yet, but they're, they're a brewery opening up hopefully at the end of the year or beginning of next year. So, all right. Mine was selfish, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> as so, long as we're dropping names, Sailfish invited us. Cool. Cool. <laughs> um, so that's in, and that's in the works. There's, there's, you know, logistical hurdles with Jeff being in Jupiter. That when the time comes, we need, uh, you know, we got to figure that out. But we're not, we're not nowhere near that point yet. Um, so this week, uh, yesterday, I hung out with Preston for the day, and then next week, uh, we went to Crooked Thumb, Arcane, and Two Lines, which were all awesome. Had a good time. Uh, great beer, great beer. Um, next week I am in Lakeland, uh, helping my parents uh, with the house and stuff. So I'm not doing a whole lot of fun, fun shit. But the week after that, I will be in Jupiter with Jeff, hanging out. We may not record anything, but we'll, I'll, you know, I'll be down there. You know, Funky Buddha, Lauderdale, Civil, whatever else my heart desires. And then the weekend after that, the 11th, I'll be at a wedding. In Mount Dora, getting shwasty. So that's literally my next month. <laughs> so I'll be out of town, pretty much. So basically, if you're looking to rob his house, check the weekends. Yeah, good luck, because there's a cop that lives here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so a lot, a lot of things happening. A lot, a lot of gears moving. We got you know an announcement. I think next episode or the episode after that, I've signed us up for. And hopefully more of that to come as well. But with that being said, I think it's a good time to wrap it up. Everyone's busy. We all got our lives going on. But as always, we'll see you guys at the bar.